Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of As Yet Unexplained. In this six-part series, we will also be looking at the stories behind some of the most famous mysterious tales of the strange, paranormal and unexplained. The festival of Samhain is rich in myths and legends that are darker, more sinister than the stories that are told today through film and television. Ancient monsters, souls of the dead and even the devil himself play a big part in the genesis of this celebration. If you like what you hear, please consider liking, subscribing or even writing a review on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Halloween is in itself a collection of traditions, old and new, that have come together to create a celebration that is ever-changing and uncommittal. The very name Halloween is a contraction of an earlier title, All Hallows' Eve. As is well known, a lot of the traditions that are now taken for granted were once profoundly serious pre-Christian beliefs from the people Christians have now labelled pagans. The original reason for Halloween was to celebrate the end of the summer harvest and the beginning of the winter. This Gaelic festival is called Samhain and was traditionally celebrated from the 31st of October to the 1st of November. This was due to the fact that a Gaelic day began and ended at sunset. This festival was widely observed in Ireland, Scotland and the Isle of Man, although similar festivals are and were held at the same time throughout the Celtic Islands. Although there is evidence to say that Samhain is a Celtic pagan tradition, there is also evidence to suggest that it has been an important date since ancient times. As well as being mentioned in early Irish literature, many important events in Irish mythology happen or begin on Samhain. Events such as bringing the cattle back down from the summer pastures and slaughtering the livestock for the winter were very essential survival routines that were needed for the people to make it through the winter. After the work of the harvest was complete, the festival participants joined with the druid priests to light a fire using a wheel that was fashioned to cause friction and spark flames. The wheel was a representation of the sun and was a major player in their prayers. Participants would take the flame from the bonfire back to their own homes to relight the hearth. The ancient Celts marked the event of Samhain as the most significant of their four quarterly fire festivals, taking place at the midpoint between the fall equinox and the winter solstice. It is believed that Samhain was a compulsory celebration that would last a total of three days and three nights, and anyone not taking part would be cursed by the gods and stricken with illness, or worse still, death. Another believed use for these fires was as a protective and cleansing power. Both Samhain and Beltane were seen as a time when the boundary between our world and the other worlds could more easily be traversed. At this time it is believed that spirits, monsters and or fairies could cross into our realm with greater ease. It is considered by most experts and scholars that these beings are remnants 
of the pagan gods and nature spirits. During Samhain, these entities needed to be placated to ensure that the Celtic peoples and their livestock survived the bleak winter. To ensure this, the Celtic pagans would make offerings of food and drink. These items were left outside of their dwellings for the creatures. The Celts would also dress as animals and monsters so that fairies were not tempted to kidnap them. It is also during the time of Samhain that it is said that the spirits of the dead walked amongst the living. The spirits would revisit the homes of their loved ones, seeking hospitality. Places were set for the spirits, and great feasts were laid out for them. Mumming, a traditional dramatic entertainment which is still performed in a few villages in England and Northern Ireland, and guising were part of the festival. These traditions involved people in costume, or in disguise, going door to door, often reciting songs and poems in exchange for food. It takes little imagination to see where the traditions of trick or treating originate from. It is speculated that the act of disguising oneself could have been used as a method of hiding from the spirits and fairies. An important part of the festival in all aspects was food, whether it be harvesting, storing or games. Food involved in games was often nuts and apples. It was put forward in the late 19th century by two scholars, Sir John Rees and Sir James Fraser, that the Celts celebrated Samhain as their new year. In the 9th century AD, the Western Christian Church moved the date of All Saints' Day from May to the 1st of November. Eventually, the 2nd of November became All Souls' Day. As time and centuries moved on, Samhain and All Saints slash All Souls' Day merged to create the amalgamated modern Halloween on the 31st of October. Historians have subsequently used the name Samhain to refer to the Gaelic Halloween customs that date up until the 19th century. With Samhain, there are some specific monsters that come with the celebration. These come in the form of the Pooka, a shape-changing creature, the Lady Gwyn, and the Dulan. The Pooka. The Pooka is alleged to be a shapeshifter that is more than capable of transforming itself into a multitude of various life forms that could be either horrifying or pleasant. It is said that if the creature was to manifest itself in human form, then there would be some clues that would reveal it to be something other than what it was presenting. For example, it would not get the ears right, and they would look like that of an animal, or it would generate a tail by mistake. Some of the most common forms that it is said to occupy are as follows. Dogs, goblins, goats, ravens, cats, horses, rabbits, foxes and wolves. Despite this outstanding ability of transformation, the coloration of the creature is always dark, with luminescent, golden eyes. The Puka has the power of human speech and communication on a level equal to us. It is stated that the creature has, on occasion, given advice to people which, in the long run, 
has enabled the individual to avoid disastrous situations. Although it can mold itself into any number of creature, the puka is considered to be a benevolent beast whose main vice is to cause confusion, frustration and fear in the hearts of man. As well as the associations with Sawain, it is closely linked with many other agricultural traditions. There is one such tradition that dictates that anything that is left in the fields after the harvesting has been completed is the property of the puka. This offering is left in order to placate the beast, as the 1st of November, the day after Halloween, is considered the puka's day, and is stated that this is the only day that humans can guarantee that the creature will not cause any mischief. It is said that when the puka is in horse form, that it has the ability to entice a human into riding it. Once on the back of the beast, the creature will tear away and give the occupant the white-knuckle ride of a lifetime and bring in no real harm to the individual. Legend has it that the High King of Ireland once rode the beast using a bridle that was fashioned to incorporate three hairs from the beast's tail. Dullahan. Perhaps more terrifying than the puka is the Dullahan. This creature, which comes from the Irish folklore, takes on the visage of a headless rider. The Dullahan, which has primarily been reported as male, rides around with his head tucked in the crook of his arm. The horse he rides is as black as night. It is said that the complexion of the severed head is that of mouldy cheese, and the terrifying rictus grin that is etched on the face touches both sides of the head. The eyes in the detached head are constantly rolling and roving around, searching out targets in the darkest areas of the countryside, cracking his whip that is made from a human spinal column. It is believed that when the Dullahan stops riding, then someone within that community is about to die. The creature dismounts from the hideous carriage, which is adorned with candles in skulls, and walks to the home of the marked individual. With a skeletal hand, he reaches out to the home and shouts out the name of the victim. Upon hearing their name, the marked person abruptly drops dead, and the Dullahan draws their soul away. The creature goes back to his wagon and speeds off back into the night. The spokes of the carriage spin frantically, but it can clearly be seen that they are made from thigh bones, and the wagon's covering is made from dried human skin. One of the most recognisable and iconic images of Halloween is the pumpkin or jack-o'-lantern. You only need to walk down your street or local supermarket to see evidence of that. Pumpkins have adorned front windows and porches for many years and have become a staple tradition among children and artisans who relish the idea of putting their artistic skills to use. Few people are aware of how this tradition first came to pass. The myth that has been elevated to explain it is completely open to conjecture, but nonetheless it is the most popular explanation. Let me tell you the story 
of Stingy Jack. Stingy Jack was a blacksmith. He was known throughout Ireland as a manipulator, a two-faced deceitful schemer and confidence trickster. This reputation had spread far and wide and reached the ears of the Dark Lord Satan, who sat upon his throne waiting for his minions to bring him news of the exploits of this unpopular, evil little man called Jack. It was after one particularly dastardly deed that Satan decided to pay Jack a visit. The Dark Lord assembled his chief minions and they put the plan into action. One night, Jack had been drinking in the tavern, although not as much as he would have liked. An incident with some patrons had seen him expelled with extreme force out of the establishment. On his journey home, Jack came by a shape, dead in the roadside gully, its clothes sodden from the damp earth underneath it, but dry on top. Jack reasoned that the body was fresh and that it was most certainly dead. Therefore, it could tell no tales of what Jack was about to do with the corpse. Before the post-mortem interference could commence, Jack straightened out the clothes and proceeded to roll the body over. There was no point in being gentle. This piece of meat had expired and would feel nothing. As the body came to a resting point on its back, Jack adjusted his eyes to look at the visage of the corpse. Jack reeled back in horror as the face that grinned back at him was that of Satan himself. As Jack was not completely under the influence of the demon drink, perhaps it would have been better if he were. He got to his knees and hands clasped, begged the devil to be given one final request before he was to be taken below. The devil considered this request, and mainly out of whimsical curiosity, he granted this final demand to this wretched man, who proceeded to take Lucifer to the nearest tavern for a final drink. After the first drink had been consumed, another was ordered, and then another, until the establishment had been completely drained of alcohol, all of which sat inside the belly of Jack. Finally, it was time to settle the enormous bill that had accumulated. Jack slushed his way to the bar, like a pigskin full of mead, and told the landlord that his new cloven-hoofed drinking partner 
was going to pay for the drinks. After much toing and froing, it was somehow decided that Satan would use his powers of transformation to change his appearance into that of a piece of silver. As soon as the transformation was complete and the shining silver coin was laying on the bar, Jack picked up the coin and thrust it deep into the pocket of his soiled breeches. Whereupon within was a crucifix, which Jack had only stolen hours before. The devil writhed and screamed within the confines of this damp, humid pocket prison. The devil was willing to agree to any of Jack's demands after this agonizing torture. Jack demanded that henceforth the devil would not come looking for him for a whole decade. And considering what the mortality rates were like then, that was plenty of time. Jack released the devil, who promptly disappeared in a puff of foul-smelling smoke. Not unlike the odour of Jack's trousers. As the years rolled on in a thick, drunken haze, it was not too long before the decade was up. The devil decided to once again pay Jack a visit to claim him. But such was the cunning and guile of Jack that he once again managed to trick the devil. This time, the plan required a little more forward planning. It was late afternoon when the devil approached Jack as he lay in the horse trough outside his favourite public house. Shadowing the public house was a large apple tree, its boughs casting long, thin shadows across the grass. Jack insisted that before he was to go anywhere with the devil, that he needed breakfast, to which the devil pointed out that it was now post-meridian and that he had had a whole decade to prepare for this moment. Jack insisted that he wanted the large apple that was suspended from the largest bough that was closest to the main trunk of the tree. The devil obliged by increasing his size to gargantuan proportions. As he selected the apple, he noticed that Jack had managed to carve four cruciform shapes into the bark of the tree. The devil was wondering how such a drunken fool had managed to climb this high up a tree to undertake such a task, and noticed the position of the horse trough and the crumpled figure of Jack, flat on his back within it, soaking wet. The devil was just putting two and two together when he was suddenly stricken with the most sickening pain as the power of the crucifixes overcame him. Jack agreed to release the devil from this tormenting pain on the condition that he himself would never go to hell. That he would never stare into the burning pits and feel his skin being crisped and burnt away by the very air. Again, the devil had to agree to Jack's demands and he promptly melted into the air back to his kingdom in hell.
For the next couple of decades, Jack was insufferable. He would spend every moment of his life drunk, getting even more drunk, being vile and generally obscene to people. Jack's thievery had increased, so too had his penchant for violence and molestation. But he did not care. He would often shout loud and clearly that he was the man that outsmarted the devil. Not once, but twice. Not only was Jack abusive to those around him, but also to himself. As the years of debauchery began to finally take their toll on him, and the repeated alcoholism finally began to eat at his body, so that it started not to work as it ought to. Jack took the journey up to the pearly gates of heaven, where he was greeted by St. Peter. The dominions of heaven do not allow the likes of Jack, so therefore he was turned away with great haste. His only option was to head down to the mortal realm and keep going until he reached the dominion of Lucifer. The devil had spent years waiting for Jack's body, a body that had had every excess to descend to his kingdom. Finally, he could enact his revenge. The first stage of the plan was to refuse Jack entry. The devil reminded him of their agreement, the agreement that he was coerced into making when Jack trapped him with excruciating pain. Then Jack would be given an option, an option he could not refuse. It was to be a solution that would cause no pain, but would elicit eons of misery and heartache. The devil gave Jack a burning ember. This would mark Jack out as a wandering spirit being, a sad, lonely creature, mute and forever longing for peace. With neither Dominion accepted him, Jack had to take the Devil's offer. Jack found a turnip and hollowed it out, pulling out its soft innards to make a chamber within it to turn this root vegetable into a rudimentary lantern and protecting the flame within. The silent, sloping figure of the broken man that was Jack was doomed to walk the earth for all eternity. His spirit could be seen in some of his favourite places when he was alive, especially the Irish countryside, a place he so often called his bed. On All Hallows' Eve, Jack was prone to wandering through people's homes, and the local residents had devised ways of keeping his spirit out. The locals would carve evil faces into their vegetables, primarily turnips, pumpkins and marrows, as they found Brussels sprouts and carrots to be too much effort for such a small return. Their fear factor virtually non-existent. These sinister veg were displayed in windows with lighted candles within them, mimicking the same lantern that was held aloft by Jack. When Irish settlers had finally set foot on American soil, they brought these traditions with them. Although pumpkins are easier to grow, and the transition shifted from turnips to pumpkins. 
Jack is still out there wandering this realm according to this piece of Irish folklore. But what if it is more than just a story and there is a grain of truth in it? We will never know. Links to our Facebook page and email address are in our bio and in the show notes, so feel free to get in touch, tell us how we are doing, or even suggest future episodes that we can cover. Next week we will be looking at the possibility that the Soviets had launched individuals into space, and with their missions failing, have been left to die in the vacuum. Thanks for listening. My name is Richard Daniels, 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 and I am the archivist for the Occultaria of Albion. The Occultaria of Albion is a publication dedicated to exploring some of the strangest and most bizarre locations across the country, where hauntings, curses, cryptids and more have all been reported. I am now custodian of its archive and am gradually exploring many of the lost files in order to re-release them. You can find the case files which are now available at occultariaofalbion.com The Occultaria of Albion can also be found on YouTube and as a podcast. Go deeper and join the fan club for exclusive content. Go to patreon.com forward slash occultaria. Remain vigilant and remember the wolves of weird. Oh, loose.